Hello, welcome to the World Cafe Podcast. This podcast has been designed with curated content that centers on the power of words. Can we really do anything without speaking? Can we really do anything without the agency of words? Yes, that is what this podcast is all about. And I am your host, Amakri Isogwe, your neighborhood word trader. I believe in the power of words, for it is the unit of creation. I trade in words to profit my world. Hello there, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good everything, wherever you are on the surface of the earth at this very moment. How are you all doing? Yes, we're back into that space. Yes, the World Cafe Live Show, you know, where we come in to lean on one another and, in you know, rest and enjoy the presence of each other and glean from our experiences to like forge ahead yesterday i have something and someone very exciting yes you're seeing it on the screen already john senai yes that name is whenever we hear that name what comes to our mind for those of us who follow him the future you know john senai is i mean a keynote speaker future strategies best-selling author advisor to governments and global brands and he is the first african you know to i mean to be a faculty member at the singularity university i have i mean i'm impressed happy having him on the show today i'll bring him on very soon yes so that we'll just start the show i know you want to see him i want to see him too Mm, yes hi john hi how are you i'm good how are you doing I'm wonderful. Thank you. Feeling good. I'm in Thailand at the moment. The weather is beautiful. In fact, today mm-hmm. yep. is New Year's Day for Thai people. And it's the first time they are celebrating a New Year's Day in three years. So it's a huge celebration in Thailand. Right after this, I'm going to go join the celebration. So all good here. Amazing. Amazing. You know, we live in a, I mean, we live in a wonderful world. This is April and some people are still celebrating having a new year. <laughs> that's true huh? plus also there's eid soon or i'll be in dubai so that's also like a celebration of a new year exactly. you know so there seems to be new years all all around the year so what a wonderful Beautiful. thing to experience some of them yeah so who is john senai let's start with that who is he who is he this exciting personality who is he <laughs> well thank you i um i'm I'm a human being that's incredibly fascinated with two clear subjects. And the two subjects are human consciousness, human psychology, our humanness and how we're evolving um, into this Mm -hmm. new world. And also the future and how we can categorize and contextualize the future to make more sense of it. You know, um, I think a lot of people automatically go to a space of anxiousness and fear when they're uncertain of something. I think it's just a human sort of narrative that we have. If we don't understand it, fear it first before engaging with it in a positive manner. And for Mm. me, the future is uncertain for all of us. And in order for us to really make use of the future or to capitalize on the future, optimism for the unknown becomes an imperative Mm. process for us to have. And so the psychology, the consciousness, how we evolve becomes a huge catalyst for us 
to become optimistic for an uncertain future that we're moving towards. And so I combine these two subjects. I speak about them. I write about them. I lecture about them and I do masterclasses around them and I help organizations and governments prepare for who knows what the behavior that we require to be adaptable in the future. You know, there's something the first time I, I came across John tonight, I think it was a uh, flow. Flo Akimbi, I was having a discussion with Flo Akimbi and he mentioned your name and I was like, I know I've, I've heard about that name somewhere and all that. So I went researching and I did one or two things and all I could just take away from it, this guy is just fascinated about the future. He, he's just fascinated about the future. He's always talking about the future and all that. He sees the future the way a lot of us don't and Yes. It would be an honor to have him come share some of those, you know, intricacies, as it were, you know, with my audience. So what is the future? Is it a place? Is it a location? Is he a destination? What is the future exactly? Well, it depends who you ask, obviously. But if we think about the latest research from quantum science, mm-hmm. it says that there is no time. There's only the forever now. And the forever, the forever now, now can be perceived from a different consciousnesses right across the board from being destitute on the streets to mm-hmm. being sick, to being in bad relationships, to being abundant, to being energetic. This all becomes our very clear choice and our mm-hmm. privilege to be able to understand that the reality and the future that we're moving towards is really our own expectations, projections, and really what we're working towards. So I call myself a futures strategist. And by that, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a plural future. There are many possible futures for everybody to want to work towards. And I'll give you a quick example. Do you know somebody that never makes money, no matter what's going on in the economy? And don't you know somebody that always makes money, no matter what's going on in the economy? Don't you know sure. somebody that always finds a job with a bad boss? And don't you know somebody that always finds partners that steal from them and other people never find partners that steal from them and other people never have bosses that are bad. And so we realize that everything that is going on is our own creation. And that's why it's important for us not to look at the future as a destination, but as a process Mm -hmm. of creation based on who we are, what we're thinking about and what are we expecting and projecting? Wow. Wow. Now, you know, before now, over a century now we've had processes when you talk about work job right from industrial age and all that so the way we think now we think in a certain way but recently very recently on the back of the COVID-19 pandemic and all that there's been a lot of you know change disruption in that regard and we we lean towards what we call now VUCA how, how should we how should we approach and embrace this new as we call it norm or normal so the world we come from is a world of complicated processes and the world we're moving into is a world of complex processes there's a vast difference between complicated and complex let me break down okay. complicated for you The world we come from is from the Industrial Revolution. The Industrial Revolution was all about production and efficiency and economies of scale. Mm. Our organizations and corporates today follow a very similar strategy to factory lines to bring about as much efficiencies and economies of scale to the production of whatever product or service that you're creating. 
In the complicated world, you were able to build two, five, and ten-year strategies because patterns repeated themselves. And because mm. patterns repeated themselves, you didn't do that much change. You just did kind of the same thing, just a bit more modified and a bit better. Yeah. The complex world is a world with patterns that don't repeat themselves. And so we don't have the luxury of just doing what we've always done. And because mm -hmm. most organizations are built on economies of scale, it's very difficult for them to become agile and adaptable. So we need mm. to start building businesses that have got totally new structures. One that is moving from economies of scale to economies of learning. Now, let me give you an example. Economy of learning. So economies of learning is a different type of business. Now, Zara, that is world-renowned for being the fast fashion king, Zara is a complicated business based on an industrial revolution model of economies of scale and efficiency. They have just done it exceptionally well. They create products and clothes that are from 15 days of design get into all their stores, 1,670 stores around the world. They hope that all the decisions they've made are going to be profitable and they're going to sell their clothes. But many times you go into Zara and there's sales on, which means that a lot of the decisions they made weren't right. So there's wastage. And so they don't make the maximum profitability out of those economies of scale sort of products that they've created. But, you know, there was no other option before the Internet and before data and before machine learning and AI. Welcome to 2022, where we have a business called Xi'an. Xi'an mm. is a clothing brand from China that is did $10 billion last year. And Xi'an is not even a clothing business. Xi'an is a data management business, a social media business. And so what Xi'an does is it has an outsourced process of manufacturing. It doesn't even mm. manufacture clothes itself. What Xi'an does, it scrapes the internet for pictures of clothing that has been liked and shared the most around the world takes those pictures of those clothing it makes 10 of them in 20 colors and puts them on their website in fact mm. it makes none everything's computer generated mm. so now what it has on its website is 10,000 different clothes that you can choose from in every color and permeation and everything you can imagine they don't make Whoa. one product until you place an order the minute you place an order the order goes to the manufacturing outsource manufacturing process and that process makes you one garment per garment and whatever Whoa. doesn't get ordered off the internet fades off and the next day they do the same thing and they keep loading up 10,000 styles. The ones that are selling well, they keep. The ones that aren't selling well, they throw away. So now what happens is that Xi'an is able to send you the clothing anywhere in the world for up to 70% cheaper than Zara and they've got zero wastage. What does this mean? It means that they've built a business on economies of learning. They're learning what the customer wants before they produce anything. Zara is preempting what they think the customer will want, hoping the economies of scale and efficiency makes them profitable. See the difference? <laughs> so more or less now, the winners are the learners and the losers are those who just piggyback on economy of yeah. scale. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is amazing. Now, you said something about intuition. You know, yes. our style has been that of sure. placing learning on IQ skills yes. and all that. And over here, you say, mm, we're getting away from that now. We are looking sure. at intuition. Yes. Can you can you throw more sure. light on that? Yeah, sure. Um, 500 years ago, as human beings, we were agricultural beings. 
the most important、mm-hmm. thing we could have as agricultural civilization was our bodies, our muscles, and our brawn. If we didn't have our bodies, we couldn't work 16 hours in the fields to feed ourselves and feed our families and to f- take something to the market to trade. 200 years ago, when the industrial revolution arrived, our bodies were replaced by factories, and these、mm-hmm. factory and production lines were much better than us than our bodies. And so we couldn't compete body to body. We had to allow the machinery to do the body work, and we had to learn a new skill called IQ, left brain process driven thinking, or logical thinking. Left brain, all over here. And so、mm. what we did is we started going to school to learn left brain thinking. And for two hundred years, we have all around the world learned left brain logical thinking. What has happened, unfortunately, is that the world now has a surplus of clever people with degrees. So now every Tom, Dick, Harry, and his dog has an MBA, a this, a PhD, a da, da 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 da, and it actually doesn't mean anything anymore because what you've done actually is you've gone to go and educate yourself just like everybody else.、Mm. And so now that you're just like everybody else, now you're sitting in a problem because now you're in the surplus society, and the surplus society has a surplus of similar people working for similar companies, making similar products for similar customers. And so it's like this is boring. Everything has become commoditized, and when everything becomes similar, the pricing becomes lower on those things, and automation starts to take over. And so as we move into this new quantum world, we start to realize that AI, data, and blockchain will replace our intelligence, and it will be doing it much better than we can do it. Just like factories did it much better than our bodies could do it. So if you think about it, logic. And just using Google Maps is already taken a bit of logic away from us. Spotify、yeah. chooses our music for us; that's taken a little bit more away from us. And slowly but surely, little bits of our lives will be taken away by decision-making AI and data. And most people say, "No, no, no, no! I'm scared of this. I don't want to have anything to do with this." But meanwhile, they're on Google creating more AI data. They every time they type a word in their AI, they're already part of AI. And so we realize that the skill that's left over. In a quantum world, is our intuition, our uniqueness, and our genius,、mm-hmm. and so our currency of the future is not about fitting in; it's about fitting out. Getting a degree, a PhD, and a doctorate is about fitting into a system. As we start to see the system around us collapse, we start to realize that our individual uniqueness, the renaissance of the human. Is what's going to be next, and we、mm. are able to utilize blockchain, internet, data, cryptocurrencies, and all these things to create the basis, like an organization used to do, around one person. And we are seeing that the creator economy right now is worth eight billion dollars and is growing、mm. exponentially. And what is the creator economy? Individual people that are using technology to sell products and services around the world, with maybe one or two people working with them, and making more money than some CEOs with major organizations. So we realize that what is intuition? And so this is the question: is like, how do I find my purpose, my why? Who am I? What am I doing here? And these questions, unfortunately, have not been asked before because they were not necessary to have been asked. What used to be the question is, how am I going to make the most money, and、mm-hmm. how am I going to look good in front of my friends, family, and everybody around me when I've got that doctor in front of my name? Those are the questions to answer. And look, nothing wrong with those questions because they were the most important thing. But we also start to realize that those things aren't always your highest excitement, your passion, and really what makes you fascinated. And so, when you start doing those jobs, you could be miserably unhappy. And so, what's the point? 
of being a doctor, having a PhD, being a CEO when you're hating it, like you're just not even enjoying it. So what happens now is we start to ask new questions. And so who am I? What am I doing here? What's my purpose? And so there's four ways that we can go about figuring out our intuition. The first way, and this is quite an emotional process, because what we do is intuition, we often call a gut feel. Like I get yeah. a sixth sense of who I am or what, what decision I need to make. But a sixth sense can't always be trusted. And the reason for that is, is that our sixth sense is made up of traumatic memories. Mm-hmm. And our traumatic memories of father abandoning us, mother overwhelming us, having a bad relationship with men, having a bad relationship with women, having a bad, whatever the case may be, these traumatic relationships muddy our sixth sense. They muddy our gut feel. And so the first point for us to really get into intuition and find out who we are is we need to heal our pasts. We need to heal our trauma. Because once we do that, we release ourselves of old patterning, of Mm -hmm. old stories, of old expectations. The second thing we do when we start to make decisions from the heart, from curiosity, from excitement, and from fascination, we start to make decisions based on our curiosity. Not the box we need to fit in, but what we really love. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you know anybody who's got the same curiosity as you? And the answer is no. And neither me. And if you find anybody doing what they truly, truly love, guess what? There's no competition. There's only collaboration. You can share openly because you're not competing. You're only competing Mm. and have sort of lawyers working on different things because now you're competing with the same market, with the same information. So you want to protect your information. When you have tapped into your curiosity, truly, there's no competition because nobody thinks about the things like you do. So you can just collaborate. The third point of intuition is imagination. And a lot of the times we were told not to imagine when we're at school. We're told not to daydream because that's just for lazy people. But Einstein says that imagination is the beginning of everything. And imagination gets us to move towards a world that we can build in our heads and actually move towards it. Best example is Zelensky from Ukraine. He played a president on TV and then became a president. I mean, what? The imagination of him, his people, all imagined him to become president and blah, he was their president. Mm. And then the last thing is experimentation. And many of us don't experiment because we want absolute outcomes. This is the way our society has been built, is we want absolute outcomes before we do anything. And so the addiction to certainty is something that we need to unravel because you can't be both adaptable and addicted to certainty. You can't be both economies of learning and addicted to certainty. You can't. They're very different things. So in order for us to find our intuition, one, heal your past, find a modality, shamanic modality, family constellations, get 10 coaches, Mm -hmm. do what you have to do to heal your past. Two, make decisions with your heart, with curiosity, with uniqueness and fascination. Three, imagine possibilities and work towards them. Rather than being looking for safety, look for opportunity. And that becomes your imaginational power. And then fourthly, experiment with different things because you don't know what's going to work until you've experimented with it. And be okay with the fact that, yeah, it didn't work. I'll try this out. I'll connect this. i connect that. That doesn't work. And you keep moving through a process of being adaptable and experimental. So people say our company is agile. It's not. It's adaptable. It's not. Because you're working on economies of scale. You're not working on economies of learning. Let me tell you which is adaptable, which is mm. agile, which is flexible. Xi'an. Mm. Xi'an can do whatever they want. They don't, they can, whatever the internet tells them to make, they'll make. That's adaptable. We close tomorrow, no costs. I'm done. I don't have to close. I can close my shop tomorrow at the $10 billion yesterday. And tomorrow I can close. Minimal costs to close. This becomes Amazing. the opportunity. Do you know when you talk about 
when you talk about what you love, you just lit up, you come alive and you see that energy, you know, just you're giving out that energy. Now, from what you have explained, do you think it will fit into our traditional way of learning as in, in schools, curriculum and all that? How do we get this across? I mean, to our children, embracing it and growing with it and into it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you ever wish you could sit in on a conversation with some of your favorite authors and listen to them talk about their writing process, their path to publication, and of course, their newest novels? Hi, I'm Marissa Meyer, best-selling author of The Lunar Chronicles, and I would love for you to check out the Happy Writer podcast where every week I talk with other writers about books, craft, inspiration, and how to bring a little more joy into our lives. The Happy Writer is available wherever you get your podcasts or find us on Instagram at Happy Writer Podcast. Well, you know, we're in a transition right now between the old world and the new world, and the education is still teaching us old world. And nobody's being malicious. Just we don't know what's next. And so the old world told us what to study. The future won't require us to learn something. It will require us to learn how. And so the how is what we need to be teaching our kids and even ourselves. And what is the how? Follow your highest excitement. Be adaptable. Be curious. Experiment along the way. Express yourself and um, expose yourself to as many different things, conversations, businesses, startups as possible to try and connect the invisible dots that make you most excited. Bring that together on a continuous process, experiment with it, and that leads you to become super unique and leads you to have the currency of the future. So whether you're a child or an adult right now, mm-hmm. the thing to do is to spend as much time in the future as possible. In other words, every morning, 10 minutes, listen to something about the future. So your brain can start looking at the future with an understanding of it. Make Thursday nights future evenings at home. Only speak about Mm. the future. Watch something from Elon Musk. Have all your children discuss it. Discuss it with them. Make it part of their language. Expose Mm. your children to as many different types of businesses as possible. Give them the opportunity to see the world through YouTube, through wherever it may be, so that they can start finding what is their unique signature. And so education is fine, but on the side of education, we need to start thinking about how do we expose them to new things and to new worlds so that they're not just fitting into a process, but they're also starting to learn that there's so much more opportunity out there besides school. And I never say to anybody, take anybody out of school because that's pointless. But the truth is, if you're not doing anything on the side, you could get stuck to be in the surplus society. And in the surplus society, everybody's doing the same things. And you don't want your kids or yourself to be part of that surplus society. Amazing. Guys, we have been discussing with Johnson and I the futures strategies. I mean, mind-blowing. Everything he's been just unpacking here is mind-blowing. You will agree with me, mind-blowing. Okay, now, we've been, we've been having this conversation around fossil fuel, energy, renewable energy, and, and the future and all that. And somehow this conversation is so huge in the West and Europe. But when you look at Africa, mm, we're not too much about it and all that. How do we go about this? Having it in context and going about it with, should I say, getting the desired results? 
Yeah, it's a really great question because I think that often we watch news and we watch the media and it's really only got to do with the Western world. It's got nothing to do with the East or Africa or South America. It's like almost those parts of the world are not part of it. And the reason is, is that all the media is owned by the West. So what they're only talking about themselves and their experiences mm-hmm. and as Africans and people we sit on the side. Look, I think just like Formula One, you know, Formula One does the cutting edge of engines and braking and lighting, and then that filters down into cars, right? So I think it's exactly the same thing right now is that Europe and America who have the financial means to be able to think green, to evolve into a state of green energy and and sort of those sort of resources are experimenting with that process. I don't think they're getting it right yet. I think many places thought there would be a lot more efficient using green energy than they actually have been. I don't know if you know, but China has been having rolling blackouts because they shut down certain power stations, hoping that their green electricity would have provided them enough, and it hasn't. So we are still in a process of learning all over the world. Nobody's really got it right yet. But I do think that we need to realize that digitization of a sector changes that sector. So in other words, if you think about what happened to music, what happened to music all of a sudden you were buying records tapes records cds and now you can listen to any music you want around the world for absolutely free this yeah. was could, was not conceivable when we were still buying records and cds we didn't even understand the ability to digitize music yeah. so we take it for granted now that our music is now just everywhere it's abundant ubiquitous the second thing that happened is communication became free again We couldn't even fathom the idea that we could be paying so much per minute when cell phones Mm -hmm. arrived to now you and I talking from Thailand to Nigeria for free. I mean, it's a a few cents this is costing, if anything, with Wi-Fi, right? So if we think about energy moving forward, it's the same thing, is that from our position and vantage point, we can't fathom how this is going to happen. But it is. Just like music, just like entertainment, just like education, just like... Netflix, I mean, for God's sake, Netflix, you can watch, you need 15 lifetimes to watch all the crap on Netflix and it costs you $10 a month. I mean, mm-hmm. where did that happen? And this is, just doesn't even make sense. And that $10 will become $5 soon. I don't even watch Netflix. I watch YouTube and YouTube is pretty much free, really. So if you think about how all of these sectors have become free without us even, like it just happened and now we take it for granted, the next two sectors I imagine will start to evolve into this free scenario will be energy and transportation Mm -hmm. and again i don't know how it's going to happen you and i can't even imagine how it's going to happen but if i rewind could you imagine that whatsapp would have broken the teleco sector in the world they broke it Mm -hmm. whatsapp on its own broke the telecom sector and if we think about instagram broke kodak in many ways and so we have all these apps and things that just pop up and all of a sudden we're like oh my god i can't even believe that's happening so your question is valid but from this vantage point it's valid but if we evolve ourselves five ten years into the future the validity of the question changes because now all of a sudden we're in a digitized energy world we're in a digitized um, uh, transportation world and we can't imagine Mm. what those will look like amazing whoa thank you johnson i I know you have a lot i've been pretty busy thank you for this time you've taken to 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 come into the world cafe and share with us now before i let you go what is john up to you know what are you doing right now you have a project or something yeah yeah right now i am uh my new book comes out in june so we're doing the final sort of preparation for the pr 
I am redoing my brand. I redo my brand every year. I brought a new talk out for the metaverse. I'm doing a talk for the metaverse. I'm doing a talk for the future of leadership, uh, the future of organizational structures and the future of culture. So I'm building mm -hmm. those talks right now. I am um, building an app called Future Memories, which is a virtual reality opportunity to live in our future for every every morning. I want to build a, a virtual reality world where you can spend 20 minutes in your future in a state of meditation every morning so that mm. you can start to create your reality a lot faster. So I'm building that at the moment. Um, and uh, I'm doing talks and, you know, writing uh, um blogs and writing articles and those sort of things yeah. so i'm always learning beautiful. and i'm always sharing beautiful beautiful so where do we catch johnson i where if i were on social media where exactly yeah so look uh, john sane there's only one john sane in the world which i'm absolutely flabbergasted by which is such a win um uh, my, my my surname is sane which is iranian and my name john is obviously a christian name so nobody in the world has john and sane together so if you look up john sane s-a-n-e-i instagram linkedin youtube facebook i'm all over and would love for you to share me on the social media journey and you know as well i'm a i'm a tree is that i'm constantly sharing i'm constantly you know sharing my knowledge because i think it's only fair to try and help mm -hmm. as many people as possible beautiful thank you so much we are so 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 glad you took time i mean to share with us on the show guys you will agree with me it's i mean it's been wonderful he has this mind that you can wrap your you can wrap your hands around it so to say you know it, it, it's so he's just releasing and releasing and we are grateful we just have to let him go now. But I know when we call on him again, he will definitely show up and share with us the latest in that, I mean, space that he is in. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. Regards to everything. I mean, everyone around you. And thank you again for doing this with me. We are grateful. My pleasure. Guys, we need to let John go now. But you know how we do it on the show. What do we say? We believe what? in words why it is the unit of creation till we'll come your way again bye for now bye john bye oh yeah beautiful before we sign off I just want to encourage you. Yeah, it's been a wonderful time. And also, I'd like to hear from you your feedback. You know, you've been listening to the Word Cafe podcast. I would love to hear from you the feedback. If you have any questions, yeah, you go ahead and ask those questions. You can reach me at my email address, Amakri Garibaldi at gmail.com and Macri is A-M-A-C-H-R-O-E-E G-A-R-I-B-A-L-D-I at gmail.com yeah and uh, we'll get back you know how we do it on the show thank you Art for time it has been with you on the word cafe podcast today thank you for being there you can catch me up on my social media handles twitter facebook linkedin 
Instagram, all at Amakri Isoboye. Also, you can get copies of my books, A Cocktail of Words, The Color of Words, and my HRO Notebook on Amazon and on Robin Heights online bookstores. You can also subscribe to my YouTube page at the same address. Yes, till we see you again. Bye for now.